Howdy, folks, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach, with the Fremont County Museum System. Um, this month, we have Randy, a returning guest that we frequently have on the, the show, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the 4th of July and Lander come later on. But we also have a brand new co-host, and uh, we'll let her tell us about herself. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Stevie. I am the new collections manager at the Dubois Museum. Um, I moved to Wyoming just about two months ago now from Swans Island, Maine. It's a tiny island about six miles off the coast of northern Maine. I worked at the Swans Island Lobster and Marine Museum for two years over there as uh, the collections manager and educational programs coordinator. And it was wonderful and beautiful. And I miss being on a lobster boat and hauling some traps and selling bait at the fisherman's co-op because that was my other job. <laughs> so how is Dubois different from uh, a lobster island, Maine? Um, so far, not that different. Surprisingly, it's a small community of people. Um, everybody seems really nice. Um, fewer people know who I am than when I showed up on the island. I kind of <laughs> moved to Maine and everyone already knew who I was. <laughs> It was in the, the town newspaper that someone new was moving into town so they could change the population sign to 17. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. We're, we're thrilled to have you as part of our museum system and as part of our podcast especially. And I uh, look forward to going forward. Just, I guess, so the audience kind of knows. Well, you know from Kirsten made an announcement in the last episode. She is now working at the Buffalo Bill Center, the West and um, she was the impetus behind the actual like organization of the podcast and making sure that we all sort of knew what we were talking about. And now that I'm in charge of that, things might be a little worse or a little bit different. Um, we'll have some more ums and ahs and things like that. And that's, that's fine. So, but she is, she's missed, but we're thrilled to have Stevie on board and we look forward to um, continuing that as we go along. So Rediscover the Winds is, of course, sponsored by our friends at Mick Pryor, Edward Jones Financial Advisor. Uh, we know that that um, hopefully for a lot of people, uh, the ongoing issues are, are encouraging them to take a, a more long-term approach, look at their financial picture. Um, if you, you know, all of us could use a little bit extra help, a second set of eyes on our finances, Mick Pryor is a great choice for that. Uh, so get with him, get a hold of his office, and uh, he can help you make sure that you will be taken care of through the uh, rocky times that that may be coming and, and into your, your future and your retirement. He's just there to help you make sure that you have the resources you need to take care of your financial goals. And we're thankful to Mick Pryor for his sponsorship of the series. With that, we will move on to um, the special place that I think anybody who grew up in Fremont County Lander holds a special place in all of our hearts for it's uh, independence day, pioneer day celebration. And um, we'll uh, just, I guess, have Randy kind of talk about how all of that got started and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, yeah, Lander's uh, <laughs> quite a place to be on the 4th of July. Of course, this 4th is going to be a little different because of the current events going on in the world. Uh, for one thing, there's not going to be a rodeo this year in Lander, which is, I think, the first time since 1894 that there wasn't yeah. a rodeo, even in World War II and 
during the Spanish flu, uh, there were rodeos. So this is a very unusual year. Uh, there is going to be a version of the Lander Parade this year. Uh, and of course, there will be the infamous uh, or famous, depending on which side of the fence you're on, the Lander Fireworks, which are a show in and of themselves. The Lander Rodeo, uh, one of its main claims to fame is it was the first paid rodeo in the world. Rodeos have been going on ever since cowboys were cowboying and wrangling their horses. You know, local ranches would get together and they'd bring in groups of men and they would have a picnic and have a competition. It was, you know, very, very common throughout the West and the Southwest and even into uh, South America. The Brazilian cowboys would do the same thing. Uh, and the Chilean cowboys, there were lots of cowboys in, in uh, the Americas. And they'd have competitions. So the rodeo in and of itself has been around for a very long time. Uh, a paid rodeo where it was organized and uh, cash rewards were given to the best riders or the best events, that's Lander's sort of mark on the rodeo tradition. Uh Again, rodeos are older, but the first paid rodeo was held in Lander, Wyoming in 1894, uh, going going way back. And uh, again, if you know Lander now, uh, we have a big, shiny rodeo grounds up on the hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the early days, they it kind of roamed around a little bit. The rodeo grounds did not exist at that time. Uh, so uh, a name you're going to hear a lot today, for me anyway, is a guy named Ed Farlow, who is an early pioneer in Lander's history, uh, married into the Lamoureux family, which was an even earlier pioneer family. Ed was a cowboy. Uh, the Lamoureaux were, were cattle ranchers. And uh, Ed uh, had been organizing uh, informal rodeos for many years, uh, and he was quite a good rider himself. And then in 1894, he had the idea that, you know, let's Let's pay these guys, uh, you know, first place, second place, and you know, in the events, and of course, in those days, the events were a little different. And there weren't quite as many of them. Um, so Ed uh, got a got the word out to the different ranches in the Lander Valley and surrounding area, and in uh, the summer of 1894, at the O'Neill Ranch, which uh, is not called that anymore, but in uh, it's south of Lander. Uh, they held the first rodeo, and uh, everybody had a grand time, enjoyed it considerably, and uh, wanted to continue to do it. So the next 20 years or so, uh, the rodeo kind of moved around. Uh, O'Neill Ranch wasn't always available, so uh, the next sequence of rodeos happened at a pasture behind uh, uh, the Connett Parks house, which was on uh, Amoretti Street. Uh, and again, if you know Lander now, Amoretti Street is a well-developed residential mm-hmm. area, lots of houses. In those days, Connett Parks was kind of on the edge of Lander. Uh, and so he was basically right around uh, 4th and Amoretti. Mm. Uh, and anything past that was pasture land in those days. And again, now it's all residential. So there were several rodeos held, uh, again, organized by Ed Farlow. Uh, paid rodeos. Again, they basically, if you were entering the rodeo, you put in a admission fee, and 
they got sponsors to kick in money, and so that's where the, the prize money came from. And it wasn't a lot of money. Most of these guys are doing it because they, you know, they like it and yeah. want to have fun. You know, busting Bronx doesn't sound fun to me, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's okay. Uh, another location that the uh, early Lander rodeos were held was up on uh, at the Lamoureau Ranch, which was basically the top of the hill above Lander. So basically, where the highway to Riverton is today. Mm. Uh, there was a big house there that was part of the Lamoureux spread. Uh, so basically in between uh, the McDonald's and the Wyoming Life Resource Center, that was the Lamoureux mm-hmm. place. So they would hold rodeos up there. That, of course, is now a business district and a highway. Uh, so that's all changed quite a bit. Um, it, Farlow actually had a ranch out on North 2nd Street. He held the rodeo there several years uh, because, again, let, you know, not everybody wants to have their uh, operation disrupted for the amount of time mm-hmm. it would take to set up the uh, uh, rodeo. Ed actually built a grandstand out there on his ranch on North 2nd. Um, so, again, rodeo was continuing to happen each year. Uh, and it's not the only rodeo. I mean, you know, there are rodeos happen throughout the summer. Uh, again, typically informal things with ranches getting together. Uh, this organized paid rodeo, which somewhere along the line got called Pioneer Days. I'm not quite sure when that exactly happened. But one thing I've always found interesting working in Lander and having grown up in Lander is the town is very conscious of its heritage. Mm -hmm. And even in those days, uh, those folks, they kind of lived through the uh, Pioneer Days. And they were very, uh, very proud of that. And that's actually where the Pioneer Museum, the Lander Museum comes from. Those early pioneers created a museum the first history museum in Wyoming was in Lander. And uh, so they, they really were proud of their pioneer heritage. And somehow Pioneer Days got tagged to all of the events around the 4th, the rodeo, the parade. Uh, didn't have fireworks in those days, but uh, you know other things were going on. Um, eventually, they needed a permanent home for the rodeo. And uh, in the 1930s, when the country was in a obviously a very severe depression, the U.S. government was funding a lot of things. Um, the uh, different organizations, the WPA, Works Progress Authority, was one of the principal ones, and they were providing uh, money to laborers to do things for the, for communities. Land replied, and uh, they got three things built uh, in 1933-34 through the WPA. One was the airport. The Lander Airport officially was created. There were, people were landing airplanes up there mm. uh, before that, but it was officially created. They built a hangar and actually paved the runway. Mm. They built a golf course, uh, which is still up there on Capitol Hill, and they built the rodeo grounds, uh, grandstand and uh, arena, and that was all done by the WPA uh, Works Progress Authority to create a permanent rodeo grounds. And to this day, that's where the rodeo grounds is at. They've just got new bleachers in the last year or two, so that that improved the old wooden uh, the wooden ones quite a bit. But uh, the rodeo is, as again, a long-standing tradition in in Lander's history. Um, any favorite rodeo events from either one of our hosts? <laughs> I've never been to a rodeo, so I'm. Very much looking forward to attending one. So, <laughs> Well, and, you know, I've got a couple of quick... I'll just read a couple of these things. Ed Farlow wrote his uh, memoirs, and we've got bits and pieces of them. I'll read you a couple of things from his... his things that stand out in his mind. Uh, for me personally, uh, 
you know, the Lander does the, they're called the Indian relay races. And I always find those interesting where basically it's this free for all, uh, bareback race around the track usually uh, with native americans uh, because they can ride bareback uh and not that uh, white cowboys can't but they don't do it as frequently mm-hmm. uh that's always quite an uh, quite a quite an exciting and uh, sort of hair-raising thing to see because they're barely hanging on <laughs> because they are moving fast um so let me go back to ed farlow uh he, he talks about two things that uh sort of stood out to him in his recollections, and this is from the 1950s, so he's looking back at the earlier days of the rodeo. Um, He talks about in 1909 that uh, Clayton Danks, who was a well-known rodeo writer, uh, also eventually becomes uh, sheriff of Fremont County, Uh, but his early days he was a rodeo guy, and uh, he brought the uh, famous horse Steamboat up from Cheyenne. Steamboat a lot of people believe is on the Wyoming license plate. That's actually incorrect. Steamboat is on the University of Wyoming logo. The Wyoming University of Wyoming logo and the U, Wyoming license plate are slightly different. They're two different images. If you have to look pretty close to see that, but they are two different images. On the Wyoming license plate, uh, it is an unnamed horse, but the rider is another lander uh, cowboy named Stub Farlow, who was Ed's son. Uh, Steamboat is the horse on the UW logo, but we don't know the name of that writer. So lots of confusion about mm-hmm. that. But anyway, Clayton Danks brings Steamboat, who was a world-famous horse. I mean, he was considered one of the best uh, best horses in the world, and uh, it was quite a coup to bring him up and have him perform at the uh, at the Lander Rodeo. And uh, a local uh, cowboy named George Chitten tried to ride him, according to this, <laughs> uh, and it says, swung his quirt until he hit the ground. So I'm assuming he did not successfully ride <laughs> Steamboat. But it says here that Clayton Danks, the mm-hmm. world champion cowboy, uh, did ride him afterwards. Uh, another story that Ed talks about is, uh, <laughs> and this is a, a little bit politically incorrect, but it, it, it did happen. History often is. History often is. <laughs> um, so the the event didn't just involve always involve uh, you know horses and cattle and calves and rodeo kind of events. They would also do little uh, historical quote unquote reenactments. Uh, one of which in uh, that doesn't have a date here, but they said we staged an Indian burning of a trapper at the stake, which was very realistic. I'm quoting here. <laughs> My son, Stub Farlow, was the trapper. An old cabin was set up on the grounds. The trapper was chased by Indians into the cabin, and the cabin set on fire. The trapper stayed in the cabin as long as he could, then broke and ran. The Indians soon got him and dragged him to a pole of brush where a duplicate dummy trapper was hidden. The Indians surrounding the trapper hid him from the grandstand, enabling him to change from trapper to Indian and escape among them. The dummy was tied to the stake and set a fire. So quite a <laughs> gruesome uh, little reenactment there. But again, you know, p- probably quite popular with the audience, yeah. I, I would assume, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so again, you know, the, the event of the rodeo nowadays is pretty much straight up a rodeo. Mm-hmm. But again, over the years, it's, it's, they've, they've done a lot of different things. It's been years since I've gone. Do we still do mutton busting? You know, I haven't seen it recently, so I don't, I can't vouch for it. You know, I, it's, I got to be honest, it's been a couple of years since I've been to the rodeo too. Uh, I'm usually working on that right. day. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I don't recollect seeing it in the last couple I've been to. What is mutton busting? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so glad you asked. Mutton busting <laughs> is my favorite rodeo event because it's the cutest thing ever when these little like cowboy hat wrangler jean wearing little tykes run out and, you know, chase a little goat and try to try to ride it. Oh, for cute. Yeah. And they get kind of bucked around and thrown off and, you know, obviously I think serious injuries in mutton busting are pretty rare, but it's just adorable. They're often like, what, like five to eight-year-olds, yeah. little kids. Well, and they, I can remember, and again, I don't know if they do this anymore. I don't think so, but they used to have the greased pig <laughs> challenge, which, again, you know, five to eight-year-olds, whoever could get a hold of a, a literally greasy pig and hang on for whatever set amount of time won a prize. Mm-hmm. And I can remember... Uh, watching that quite a bit uh, when I was younger at the rodeo, and it, again, looks like looks pretty hazardous, but it hit the kids all just got yeah. up and walked away. So, well, you know, ranch kids are tough too. <laughs> yeah, about the toughest things that there are out there. Um, so the rodeo has always been kind of a big deal, and I think it's interesting too that that probably, you know, just the paid rodeo set up the. I guess the underpinnings for a career path for a lot of these cowboys who, you know, being a, a exhibition rider became their, that was their job. And they, you know, these exhibition horses before that, it would have been just some guys on a ranch. Yeah. And it's, it's actually quite a, quite an industry uh, yeah. and not just for the cowboys because there are professional cowboys that that's what they do. They mm-hmm. travel around and, uh, uh, you know, in their specialty, whether it's bucking bronc or barrel racing or whatever. Yeah. And it's both men and women. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there are world champion cowgirls who, uh, you know, make a lot of money at this. Yeah. But I just read uh, here recently, and this summer has really disrupted <laughs> a lot of these industries, but the, the, the stock industry, because there are companies that provide stock for rodeos all over mm-hmm. the country. And they are really hurting right now because a lot of the rodeos have been canceled. So they've got... Uh, all of this stock that's basically just waiting for somebody to, you know, take it in a truck to a rodeo, but it's not happening. So they're huh. they're financially getting hit pretty hard yeah. because the rodeos are just not happening like they normally would be. Yeah, it's interesting just to think of all the industries that are <laughs> that you would never give a second thought to. Um, you know, I was going to throw a Garth Brooks wild horses keep dragging them away reference, <laughs> in there, but can't figure out how to work that in. Um, so let's move on to the parade. Uh, Lander also has, as do many small towns, I've been to a lot of different parades for 4th of July or, or, you know, the, the Mormon corridor, the Zion curtain is, as we sometimes call it in, in like Utah and and Idaho has a 24th of July parade, which is because of the, the date that, that the Mormon settlers made it into the Salt Lake Valley. Small town parades are just every every single one of them has their own character, but there's just something wonderful about them. And uh, the the candy and the popsicles, and I think one of the things that kind of makes Landers world famous that we're definitely going to be missing this year with the pirate parade is that it ends in that colossal <laughs> massive water fight where the rural yes. fire department brings up the rear and just gives everyone a good hose down. Yeah, if you. Uh if you haven't, again, haven't been to Lander, the fire department uh, joins the parade with their sirens blaring, and they're the last uh, last in line because everybody gets soaking, if you choose to. Yeah. Uh, my kids always run up and you know get soaked, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, good for you. I'm going to st- sit this part of it out. But uh, it, it, there are YouTube videos out there of these jets of water shooting into the sky, and... and mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, the streets are, you know, six inches deep with water. Yeah. Uh, hopefully there's never a big fire when that is going on <laughs> because they'd have to, it'll take you a while to recharge all those tankers, but uh, it's, it's quite an event. Um, again, the rodeo has, or I mean, pardon me, the parade has been around for, uh, again, at least uh, 120 years. Uh, I haven't found an exact date on when the first lander parade was on the 4th of July, but again, in conjunction generally with the rodeo. So I think by 1890, you know, the mid 1890s, there was a annual 4th of July parade as well. And at that point, uh, interestingly enough, the uh, uh, fort at Fort Washakie was still active. So the, hmm. the cavalry would the, the actual cavalry, <laughs> not the pretend cavalry, the actual cavalry from Fort Washakie would always be in the parade uh, in their dress blues and on their horses. We've got pictures at the Lander Museum of the, you know, the cavalry units uh, going down Main Street, which is actually really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fort Washakie was decommissioned in 1909, so after that, uh, the cavalry wouldn't have been part of the uh, part of the parade. But the U.S. Uh, U.S. cavalry was part of the parade for many, many years huh. and uh, a big hit with everybody uh, as they came through town with their sabers rattling yeah <laughs> everything my one of my perennial favorites is the uh the horse trailer that somebody just turned into a car oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah just yeah. like a self-driving horse trailer that's always <laughs> that's a crowd pleaser i always loved the the is it the shriner train mm-hmm. yep. because how can you not love trains even if it's not a real railroad train. <laughs> it's just cool. Uh, you know, all the old tractors and all the old cars. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a paper boy for the Lander Journal. So one year we decided to be in the parade as cowboy paper boys. So we were on our horses and, uh, you know, we had the newspaper bags and stuff on like saddle bags and we're handing out the papers and, you know, people throw candy and it's just... I love the parade. Yeah, it's quite it's quite an event. Again, obviously this year very, going to be a very different mm-hmm. event. But uh, the the candy throwing has gotten progressively more insane over yeah. the years, as I have <laughs> noticed. Probably mostly because I have kids now, and they're, they're always there with their bags uh, getting candy. But just about every float is tossing out tossing out candy, mm-hmm. and uh, the. Uh, I guess as a parent, it's a little hair-raising to watch all of these little kids running out there to, yeah. with all of these vehicles and horses and uh, you know everything that's happening. But it's it's very very popular and yeah. and, and fun. It, it it is a very fun event. Uh, and again, over the years, it's just all kinds of different floats. Uh, you know, for decades, the parade was called a historical pageant. And the focus of that was, you know, Wyoming, Fremont County history. So they, the floats were very much about the miners or the mm-hmm. Native Americans or uh, the cowboys or whatever. So, and that's less so that now. Uh, There's uh, still a good portion of that, but it's, I think it's become even more eclectic. And you'll have um, churches having their own floats, which is, which is fun. And you'll have uh, community groups, Kiwanis and mm-hmm and all those people that have their floats and it's, I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun event. If you're ever, again, if you want to spend an interesting 4th of July, come to Lander cause there's yeah. a lot going on. There's the, the Buffalo barbecue has become an annual event and has been going on for quite a while where at city park, you can get Buffalo burgers. And again, they're doing that this year, but it's sort of takeout mm-hmm. <laughs> Buffalo barbecue. Uh, it's again, everything's a little wonky this year. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the Buffalo barbecue is one event, uh, you know, another thing. And we, 
haven't mentioned it, but the uh, class reunions. Yep. Fourth uh, of July is the time for, in Wyoming for uh, class reunions. Uh, it, we, you know, it's amazing how many people come back into town for that, and then they partake in the uh, festivities, which is very different from you know I lived back east for a while, and Thanksgiving was the big huh. big time for class reunions back east because everybody's coming to their hometown to go mm-hmm. to things. Out here, it's the 4th of July. You know, Thanksgiving here, of course, is usually uh, 10 feet of snow and yeah. uh, zero degrees. <laughs> Sorry to... <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, I lived in Minnesota for a while, and I love the cold in okay. the winter, so... Well, you'll, you'll get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. You'll, you'll, you'll have that. So It actually just now occurs to me that probably not everywhere goes has their class reunions on the 4th of July. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think actually it's kind of a what. Uh, well, I don't know about Western. I know it's a Wyoming thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, but you know, I was kind of surprised when I lived in the East that uh, you know we were talking about getting together on Thanksgiving. I'm like what? <laughs> it's okay. not the Fourth of July. Yeah, Come the Fourth of people. July is when you have class reunions. How are you going to be on your parade float on <laughs> that's, Thanksgiving? That's right. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Almost every year, there's you know at least half a dozen classes mm-hmm. on the on a flatbed you know doing a doing a float for yeah. you know the class of 1990 or the class of you know 1970 or whatever so mine will be next year my 20th which is ugh, that's weird <laughs> to think about um so then let's talk about the other thing that that wyoming is or that especially lander is known for on the fourth of july and that's not only that the the city puts on a heck of a fireworks show the city as in the actual organization called city of Lander, but the uh, people who live in the city of Lander hold their own. And, uh, you know, I remember being a kid, what little boy doesn't love to, I don't know, tape a bunch of black cats together and, (laughs) or undo the little string and try to light that really fast fuse before it blows up in your hand and all that kind of stuff. So like from, I'm, probably even like seven or eight in the morning, you start hearing pops here and there. And then just throughout the day, it kind of picks up steam. And finally by sunset, it's just, you can go to any high spot and fireworks are going off nonstop. It's it, you know, there are people that spend tens of thousands of dollars on fireworks and it shows because they Mm -hmm. are, they're, they're like a professional show. So you've got the one that happens up at the rodeo grounds, which is the "Quote unquote official fireworks," and the city. Do, you're right, Zach. They do a nice job. They, they, you know, do a really nice job with that. But if you glance over uh, <laughs> anywhere in the valley, literally, you're seeing an equally impressive fireworks yeah. display. And they they'll go on till midnight. I think midnight is the cutoff, even though it tends to it linger. Leaks out, yeah. It tends to linger <laughs> till two or three in the morning. I think, but the, the official end is midnight. Mm-hmm. But you'll have, you know, again. Fireworks displays that most municipalities would be proud of yeah. going off in somebody's backyard. Yep. Uh, again, the money is the money spent on these things is uh, I've always found astonishing. And <laughs> that know. almost seems to be a recession-proof industry too, because I don't remember it being any slower like during the Great Recession of about ten years ago. Or no, and like I that. think I got to be honest. I'm curious to see what it's like this year mm-hmm. with the other events canceled. I'm wondering if the fireworks aren't even going to be more insane. I know <laughs> because you know they're. People are looking for outlets, and I and I think blowing up things is clearly <laughs> something popular. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, I, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like this year. My house, oh, I'm up on a bit of a hill outside of town at my house, and we sit out on my porch and watch the fireworks. And it, it's the whole valley. I mean, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, it uh, it looks like. I've had I've heard many people compare it to a war zone. You know, with uh, the explosions and the all of that, and it it's certainly impressive. Yeah. It's a 
hopefully a less deadly war zone. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't think I don't hear about too many fatalities. You know, that occasionally maybe people, six or seven a year. Occasionally, people do end up in the ER with uh, five things mm-hmm. going off in their hands. But uh, I think, as far as fatalities, uh, we're pretty most people. I think most people are pretty uh, safe about it. Yeah, because uh, again, that you can get hurt. You know, mm-hmm. those things can hurt you. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, and then just kind of along those lines for something that I think that a lot of the people in the community, certainly myself have missed over the last, Oh, how long has it been? Nine or 10 years is, is that, uh, uh, a fellow that, that lived just on the outside of Lander, Brent bills put on an, on, he always did it on the third because he wanted everybody to be able to take, take part in it. But he did a, an impressive fireworks show on his own right. That was choreographed to music and, um, kind of told the story of like the founding of the, of the United States and had some, you know, some great patriotic music that synchronized with the fireworks. Uh, and it was, I mean, starting this, like the morning of the first or the second of July, people would just park a car along, along the, the road near his house so they could get a seat. And I think sometimes we estimated that, well, certainly more people saw it than the population of Lander. Um, it became quite a, a big event and uh, something that I know I always look forward to and actually was fortunate enough to help out with for a couple of years. And I think that that's something that a lot of us miss, but it would be be hard to talk about the history of the 4th of July and Lander without at least putting a, a mention in for that uh, show. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, so yeah, the, the Bill's Fireworks Show. And I think, uh, to be honest, I my sort of sense of it is the the... A lot of people have expanded their own personal fireworks mm-hmm. because his isn't available yeah. anymore. Uh, and I'll, and also the kind of fireworks have changed, I think, since I was a kid because I just went shopping last night with my kids for, <laughs> you know, a few things. We, we're not going to spend the money that a lot of people do on it, no, but we bought a few things. Keep it to four digits. <laughs> but the, uh, the uh, array of, like, high-end fireworks that are available mm-hmm. is pretty amazing compared to what I remember, you know, when yeah. I was a teenager or younger where you had a few bottle rockets and some black cats and that was about it. Right. You know, that nowadays it's industrial strength <laughs> uh, cannons uh, that are shooting off mm-hmm. big, big uh, ordnance, uh, you know, and for several hundred dollars, you can have your own. Yeah. So, uh, and again, more power to them if that's what people want to do. So certainly all helps to make Lander a pretty special place on the fourth. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. And, and, you know, something else that we haven't mentioned is, uh, and again, this year is going to be a, an odd year, but uh, I've been told by city officials that Lander's population doubles on the 4th of July. <laughs> wow. You know, Lander's about, you know, 7,500 mm-hmm. in, in, in city limits. Of course, you know, if you count all of the, you know, uh, areas around the valley, you've got quite a higher population but lander the land the town of lander's population is about 7500 people and i again the city officials have said it it goes to about 14,000 yeah. uh so it's it's quite a big deal and so. i know that you know so much of that is not only just class reunions but i know that this year i'm i'm excited that i think all my siblings are going to be in town you know we live all over the west now and uh i think that that's pretty common that that lander natives especially set the 4th of July weekend aside to come home and be with family and just, just experience that. And I don't know, it's just, we love the 4th and Lander. And <laughs> I think it shows. And, uh, it's just a great place to be. Um, I know that I've told a lot of people about it and 
when I finally talk them into coming, they're like, boy, you weren't kidding. <laughs> it's a pretty great place. They're like, they, you know, before they'd say, I don't know, my hometown's pretty great on the forest. I was like, no, trust me. You got it. You got to just come one year. So they do. <laughs> um, so I think uh, with that, we're kind of at about at our time. We're about 30 minutes. And uh, so we'll, uh, any closing remarks from either one of you? Oh, welcome on board, Stevie. We appreciate Thanks. having you here, and uh, yeah, hope you enjoy your uh, your rodeo in Dubois. Oh, and, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, again, they canceled Frontier Days in Cheyenne, but there's a lot of good rodeos. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put in a little plug for uh, CWC here. Uh, they have a, uh, a very strong rodeo program at the community college, yeah. and they put on rodeos, uh, again, not this year, but... I got to be honest. I think one of the best rodeos I've ever seen was the, mm. on the college circuit, uh, and it was the you know CWC held here in Riverton at the at the fairgrounds, and I I was I thought that was a, an incredibly good rodeo, and young people who are really dedicated to it, and uh, they did a heck of a job. I would highly recommend uh, checking out the college circuit rodeos because I was very impressed. Yeah. I didn't even know college circuit rodeo was a thing. Uh, so well, it, probably not in Maine. All <laughs> <the time>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not in Maine, but uh, you know, around the you know, Rocky Mountains and, and the West Coast, yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a big deal. And again, a lot of those guys go on to professional rodeo careers. Yeah, uh, you know, in, and you know, uh, participate in th- things like the Land of Rodeo and Frontier Days. So, so we'll uh, close out. We've got some upcoming events to tell you all about and I'll just I'll kind of list what they are but I'll I'll let each of our since we got somebody here representing each site we'll uh, we'll talk about that and and first up is our uh, Wind River Visitors Council sponsored Adventure Trek series those have some of those have taken on a bit different a form I know the Pioneer Museum especially has done some virtual treks we are working on one that we've done just recently for the the Blackbridge trek that we'll have available for people to see soon um, but uh, first off, July 7th, Dubois has a mystery sheep trap trek. Yes, uh, mystery because I think we're still deciding which sheep track we're gonna trap we're going to go okay. trek to. Um, but those are still taking place um, in person. And uh, the Dubois Museum on our Facebook page just posted our first virtual trek, which was a historic walking tour of downtown Dubois. So if you want to learn more about the town, I would totally check that out. Um, I would encourage you to call and sign up for the sheep track, sheep trap trek, but we are already uh, taking names for a waiting list. So if you are interested in doing that next year, I would say sign up early because mm-hmm. it's very popular. Yeah, a lot of our treks are, and and especially this this year, we're going to be limited on numbers and stuff like that. So we'll be trying to to do that. Um, yeah, for the lander treks, we're, uh, everything this summer is virtual. Uh, we mm-hmm. did, we've done a petroglyph trek, which is on uh, already on YouTube and our uh, Facebook page. Uh, we have one coming up, uh, Historic Houses of Lander. We just finished taping that and editing that together. Uh, coming up in August, we have a historic Main Street trek uh, so with talking about at least some of the historic buildings we did it take two hours or three hours to do them all so we kind of focused on a handful um and we're not sure about our fall treks yet we may be doing those virtually as well but uh yeah. but uh you know it'll all be available uh on youtube and uh, facebook and i know that um assuming that the people that that own the the, the things that we trek to are okay with it for most of our our treks even if people come we're trying to do a virtual component to those as well uh, because you know it it's just kind of that that kind of year and it, it you know you watch a virtual trek and then and then often you're you're able to go out and actually see that um 
along those lines, on July 11th, which is the weekend after the 4th, the Riverton Museum is hosting the Midvale Irrigation Trek. And uh, I think we are going to try to do that one in person, but we're probably going to limit you know, vehicles and, and number of people that are allowed to go on that one. But we'll be taking a tour of the whole Midvale Irrigation System. We'll be learning about its history from the, the director of that system. It's going to be a really interesting trek. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And then on July 18th, we're going to be going out to Bates Battlefield, which is going to be another really interesting, fun one. Um, and uh, I guess we'll wrap that up with Volcanoes Trek on August 7th. Yeah. I know we do still have, I believe, some places uh, available for that trek. And the gentleman from Kansas State, I believe, who's going to be leading that, will be doing a... Um, presentation the night before um, and that is free and open to the public and we are going to be having that outside uh, weather permitting um, so that we can have people come and we can still you know be be socially distant um, so yeah if you if you can't make the trek um, but you want to hear the the speaker um, I would encourage you to come it sounds like it will be really interesting okay and then our other uh, speaker series event is I'm assuming another virtual event from the Pioneer Museum on July 9th. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we will be doing again most of our speakers virtually as well. Yeah. Uh, on July 9th, Sam Leitner, who is a Lander author, has written a new book on the Wyoming history, uh, and and it's a very uh, interesting, accessible book. There's some Wyoming history books out there that are very good, but they're the size of uh, you know uh, a diction or an encyclopedia. They're huge, mm -hmm. and they're not scintillating reads right. but sam has taken a taken a very different approach and written a very accessible very fast-paced very exciting book i highly recommend it uh and he's doing actually part one uh we he had so much information we broke it into two parts so part two will be in august oh nice but part one is uh, basically prehistory to about the r railroad arrival mm. in wyoming uh and again that will uh preview on uh youtube and facebook on july Ninth, uh, and then it will be available after that, and then we'll have part two in August. So those are definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, that'll be that. That'll be great to to have that available. And I'm assuming that those books are also going to be available in, the, in your gift store. Yeah, we have them for sale at the Lander Museum. I'm assuming if you don't have them in Dubois or Riverton yet, you will soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Sam is a Sam's a he's a Fremont County author, and mm -hmm. uh, say it's a good book. It's a again a really interesting, uh, and he takes a very um, wide look at a lot of things, uh, but doesn't get bogged down in the you know like some of our history books are awfully yeah. you know awfully detailedly oriented right. and this is a little bigger picture story okay. well that sounds like it's fills an important gap so we're we're looking forward to that um our speaker series events are sponsored by i guess they're called the discovery speaker series and those are sponsored by the wyoming community bank and then i'll just kind of end with with a shout out to our our third major sponsor which is the bailey uh tire and, and pit stop travel centers children's exploration series we actually don't have any of any events um in that series coming up in this next month we've done some already and then you know we'll, we'll get some as as august and september rolls on uh those are good events to do as it cools off a little bit and uh but we're grateful for their sponsorship and uh you know i guess one other final thing is is as uh as we record this we're the county is facing kind of some some pretty stiff financial um, issues <laughs> as a result of the ongoing health crisis and, and all of the related fallout from that. So 
Uh, I would just encourage everybody who listens, if you value the things that we do to, you know, please consider anything that you do with the museum system helps. If you come visit, get, get a pass to come as often as you like, uh, donations, gift shop sales, all of that helps us continue the funding and the programming that, that hopefully you all enjoy. And with that, I think that we are going to conclude this episode. Any parting thoughts from either of, of you? Well, I don't think so. Thank no. you. Yeah. We appreciate you guys taking the time to be on and, uh, Appreciate our audience for listening and encourage them to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Um, Especially subscribe to our YouTube channel, Fremont County Museums, and look at our Facebook pages. A lot of the virtual content that we're posting is going up on those platforms. And I mean, I think we've got some great feedback on on all of the stuff that we've been doing. So we're going to continue doing that, um, I'm assuming, even after things kind of settle down. It's just been really great for all of us. So thank you all. And uh, we will see you next month.